Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we bless your name this morning. Thank you for yet another awesome opportunity to look into your word and to examine this matter of us shining for you, which is the business of the day, which is what you have us do at a time like this, when the entire universe has become engulfed in darkness. Lord, please speak to all of us gathered here. Lord, speak through me, Father. Strengthen me and let your word come clear that our hearts, O oh Lord, at the end of this, will be persuaded that we have no option, Father, but to shine for you everywhere that you have placed us. Let your visitation be evident again, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Good morning. I want to appreciate the, um, the church for permitting me to stand here at this time to share the word of God with us. We are going to trust that the Lord will truly help us. At this time, actually, we have been looking at the matter of shining. And I want to believe that if you've been following sincerely, you would have understood quite a lot about it because God has been gracious to us, as he always is, actually, in this congregation. And so we have heard so much about shining for the Lord. And as I began to look at what I'm speaking about today, which actually has been spoken about before, if you look through your, the program, you see that we have talked about all of this. But today we are talking about shining in all um, spheres of society. Shining in all spheres of society. And our general understanding of um, shining, like we have been taught already before today, is that Shining means sending out light, radiating light, reflecting light in diverse ways. I think it was also Reverend Zubi that did this um, a couple of weeks ago and showed us diverse lights, the way they shine and all that. And I remember taking my notes that day. Now, we're looking at brightness, radiance, light, shining, reflecting. It is bright here today and we're, we're able to see one another because there is actually light all around when we turn on um, switches, you know, just go and turn on a switch in order to put on the light. The light comes, for those of us who are not in the sciences, we actually just see the end result, which is that light is in the bulb. But something happened to bring this light to us. I will not bother trying to explain that because I, I, I wouldn't get it right. I don't know the science behind it. But my point is, if this light is not powered from a source, when you turn on the switch, there will be no light. Is that correct? Yes. There will be no light. That much is, is, is evident. And that's where I just want to uh, stop with that. We'll, we'll just see the light in the bulb because something happened. Something caused it to get the electricity supply. So the question I sense the Lord asking you and me today is very clear. The Lord is saying, this is the ninth month of the year. It's September. It's the ninth month. How have you been shining thus far? He wants to know from you and from me. How have we radiated that light? Wherever he has located us, starting from our homes. If we were to give him paper to write an exam now, and he's asking us to write in two pages how you have been radiating the light, what would be your answer? That is the question that the Lord is wanting us to answer. When a pregnancy is carried to nine months, delivery is expected 
and a live child is expected to come forth. Is that correct? And so the Lord is asking, where is yours? What have you delivered after nine months? That's the question he would want you to ask. Where is your own evidence that you have actually been radiating any form of light in your life? Where is the result of the light that you are supposed to be carrying? What areas of life have become illuminated by your light? These are the questions that we are supposed to take. I'm supposed to take mine and answer. And you're also supposed to take yours. Insistently and consistently, we have been told from January that you are the light of the world. And in this ninth month, at a very personal level, what has this meant to you? Have you received any personal revelation of this truth in your own life? Or did you just consider it another slogan of the church? This year's slogan is, um, you are the light of the world, 2022. Last year was another one. Next year, another one would come. Is that all that it has meant to you? Or do you have a personal revelation of how you are actually supposed to radiate the light for the Lord? These are the questions that we all must respond to in our own heart and life. Why? Because God is expecting our individual responses. At nine months, a pregnancy is full term and delivery is expected, like I said. Have you carried your own pregnancy of the light to full term at this time? Has your pregnancy been aborted? Have you brought forth a stillbirth? Or have you brought forth an abnormal fetus? These are the questions that the Lord is presenting before us today. My brother and my sister, how has it been with you? Are you still playing church? We have our, our phones, big Bibles, I have one. Um, our phones are different versions, uh, uh, different versions of the Bible are in our phones. I have two. But is that really all there is to it? Is that really all there is to it for you and for me? What is coming forth from inside of you? One of our texts for today says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That's in Matthew 4 verse 16. When it was being read again, it talked about light being placed so that everyone can see. And the question is, in your family, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a sibling, as an uncle, as an aunt, what light can it be said that people in your home are seeing from your life? It's talk taking time. What, what light are people seeing in your life? That's the crucial question for today. In your capacity as a human being in the office, your colleagues, in whatever capacity you are functioning, what is the light? You know, those people living in darkness here saw a light. The Bible didn't actually just say light. If you read it again, it says, they have seen a great light. As I looked through, one translation said, huge light. So the light we are talking about is not even O-level light. That was the light they saw with Jesus. But for you and for me, are they even seeing light? Somebody talked about different types of light. Dim one, the one that is almost dying of, and all of that some weeks ago. What type are you seeing? For our Lord and Master, His soul was described as great and huge. That was the type of light that the Lord Jesus reflected. And then what did he say in verse 15? He says, in the land of Zebulun 
and of Natalie, I'm, and in Matthew 4, and I'm reading them myself because of time. In the land of Zebulun and of Natalie, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. That was where they saw this light. Where so many Gentiles live. And I want us to make the connection. In our families, in our places of work, there are Gentiles all around us. There are unbelievers all around us. And the Lord has placed us in those places. When Jesus went to those places, they saw a great light. And you and I are similarly living in a society and in places where there are unbelievers all around us. And they are looking to see. Jesus appeared and they saw not just light but a great light. It is our time today and the question still is what are they seeing? What are the people seeing? In John 9 verse 5, Jesus said, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We all know that the Lord Jesus has gone. But he left us. He left you and he left me. And he went home. He went up with the assurance that I left them there. That I left them there. And so he's looking to see if I really left them. And I am in them with the light. Where is it? Where is the light that they are reflecting? Some translations of this John 9, 5 say, you know, it says here, the one I read says, while I am in the world. Some says, when I am in the world. Some say, as long as. Another th- translation, that would be message, says, for as long as. Another one says, while. Let's just keep this in mind. While he was there. While Ijoma was there, while you were there, when I was there, for as long as I am there, that's how I should actually read it. For as long as I'm in that office, for as long as I'm in this family, for as long as I'm in this location, something ought to be happening there. Praise the Lord. In John 8, 12, he says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what does this mean? What exactly is he saying here? When he, now look at the first part of it. He says, I am the light of the world. That is a declarative statement. It's a statement that does not require arguing. He just made a declarative, an assertion. I am the light. But if you go to the second part, he says, whoever. And this brings in an element of choice. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, if I decide to follow, if my sister decides to follow, anyone that decides to follow, the second part will become applicable to that person. That person, he says, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Praise the Lord. We have an evidence, at least, the people that followed him in his lifetime, the 12 of them, apart from um, Judas, All the others followed. And what was the result of their following at the end of the day? After Christ left, they looked at them and they called them Christians. They said, these ones, they are like Christ. If you touch some of us now, we will tell you how long we have been doing this following. I know I have been following. Many of you have been following. We know we have been following. But what is the result of our following? That's the question. These ones followed. And what did they call them? What did they call them? 
Christians, why did they call them Christians? They were Christ-like. And I am following. And Umurwanya Ganulumi here in the family because I'm going for one meeting, I'm going for the other. But what is the result of my following? They should be able to see it. It wasn't this one that announced it. It wasn't the apostles that went to a printing press and put banner, I have been following Jesus. Jesus forever. Jesus unlimited. It was not them. It was their lives that so poured out as people saw, they decided to say, these ones, they, they are like that man. Praise the Lord. Now, the matter of following becomes crucial. And the question again could be, who are you really following? We, we actually need to answer a lot of questions this morning. Who am I really following? In a way, you become like he who you follow. Actually, you do. You know our young people today, they are following some people seriously. They are following musicians. They are following Nollywood stars. And so when you see them, they look like the musicians that are following. And they also look like the Nollywood stars that they are following. But you and I are claiming that we are following Jesus. And the question is, who, whose reflection do they see in our lives? You who is seated here this morning, and I who is standing and speaking, who are we really following? It may be that we are not following anybody. I've actually heard some Christians say, I, I'm reading the Bible. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, 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 I'm doing it right. But what is in your mind? How has your mind become like that of Christ? It would be alright, because Philippians 5... Um, I beg your pardon. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Many times we have to look at our minds and check what is in our mind. We'll check what is in our mind. And I'll share a testimony about the mind in just a moment now. You know, where I work, I am in my department, I am quite senior. Of course I should be senior, I'm getting old now. I'm not the most senior, there are a few people that are senior, but I'm also very, very senior. Now, something happened in that department a while ago. In, in sharing the courses, when you have large classes, some, sometimes some, some more benefits accrues to you on the basis of the large class that you have. So now, whereas we didn't used to fight for large classes, now there is fight for large class. So I, and I'm supposed to be very senior. So I expected that when classes are being shared, I should automatically get large classes. Yes, now because I'm senior. But this, I mean, they've been doing a few funny things and I just kept, kept looking at them. But this last semester, it became so glaring. They, they gave, not only did they give me not very serious classes. I mean, senior classes, okay, but small classes. Even the one that I taught before, that I've been teaching for a while, that should still be mine. The lady who, for some reason, is full of mischief, decided to take that one and to give to herself. I mean, you can imagine that. So when I looked at it, I said, Hamban, let me go to that department. They will know that I came there today. But you know what happened? <laughs> the Lord did not permit me. I, I, wasn't, I didn't have the release in my spirit to go and confront them. I know what the Lord said. He said, but you have been standing on that pulpit to say, wouldn't you rather be cheated? Wouldn't you rather be wronged? I said, hey, well, yes, so, so I've been preaching it. This is it. They have cheated you and you have been wronged. You're not to say anything. I said, okay, no problem. I won't say anything. That was not the end of the matter. You know, we're talking about mind. The Holy Spirit now began to turn his attention on my heart. 
I know you didn't say anything. But how is your heart? When you see two of them, how, how are you behaving? This is the matter. I want to check your heart. And truly, my heart was not good now. I mean, how was my heart supposed to be? So I had been wronged and I had been cheated. But I went back to begin to pray. And say, God, honestly, honestly, before you, I can't hide. This heart is not good towards these two people. What they are doing is intentional and is deliberate. And I should meet them. You have said I shouldn't meet them. It was not about meeting them anymore. It was that my heart was not good. And I began to pray and plead with God. That please, Father, I understand it's okay. I've worked with you to the extent that you're now checking my inside. But you know on the outside, they didn't know what was going on. They just said, that girl is, is a Christian and she didn't come to fight. But they didn't know what was going on inside me. And so, for God to still check oh, whether I had really, really left the matter, I traveled abroad and came back and went to school. The first person that I met in that whole school is that very mysterious woman. The first person I met, she stopped her car as I was going about. Hey, hey, I didn't even know it was her. I didn't know it was her car. And then I came closer and saw she was on and we started greeting. She said, hey, I'm so happy for you. Hey, sister, thank God for you. Congratulations. Thank God for your life. Hey, thank God. I was saying in my mind, what is she? What's all this about? When she stopped a moment, I said, please, what is the congratulations about? What are you thanking God? She said, ah, everything about you. What God has done for you. Ah, your children. Hey, your marriage. Hey. I looked at her. I said, thank you. I have to take a lecture now. So I went away for my lecture. But I had passed the test. I greeted her. I made sure that I didn't just not go to meet them. I expunged the feeling of resentment, maltreatment, and all that. Because if I had gone to fight, truly, they would have had to do the right thing. In fact, when one of us, another senior person who is also senior to me, they subjected him to the same treatment. He went to the admin to fight his own. Do you know what they did? They took my own largest class and gave to him. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say anything. But you know, when I traveled, I was just saying, it should be money. It's what you can use money to buy. When I was there, one young boy gave me a ride. My, my daughter's colleague gave me a ride. And we were now, he's a doctor, but we're talking about literature. It turns out he has interest in literature. And we're talking about my area of, um, of research and all that. Do you know that two days later, this boy came to visit me with a bag full of books that cost a hundred and something dollars. He didn't have to. He doesn't know me from anywhere. And it was like, if you needed money to buy anything, this is it. I said, God, thank you. I mean, it was such a big thing in my eyes. A short while later again, we went to a shop. Somebody was with us. I have very large feet. So once I find a shoe that is my size, I say, hey, can I afford to buy this? Honestly speaking, I was just looking at the shoes. I said, no, I can't buy this one. I'm not going to buy this. The man paid for three shoes for me. He doesn't know me from Adam. Praise the Lord. Why am I saying this? God wanted me to not fight over money. Whatever you need, when it's time, I will give it to you. So I came back and I didn't have anything to fight with them about. Praise the Lord. We are talking about the mind. Let the mind that is in Christ be in us. Praise the Lord. And then Christ began to tell us that we should cultivate and imbibe his own mind if we are following him. So part of my shining now in that place is that I am senior and I'm not fighting over the very obvious injustice that is going on there. And I am not allowing it to destabilize me or to make me unhappy because I can trust the Lord. Now we're talking about shining in every aspect of our lives. 
I want to draw attention to what um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 11. He says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In my house now, would I really be able to stand up and tell all the children, look, just keep following me. If you keep following me, you cannot miss it. Do you know that's where God wants us to get to? You know, the scriptures talked about us being epistles that people are reading. For, us, for Paul to make this statement, for me, this is a very audacious statement. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Some scriptures will say that, imitate him as he imitates Christ. Where God places me in my place of work, can I tell them, just be doing what I'm doing. Just keep following me. Just keep looking at me. I will not mislead you. We are not able to do that because our lives are not always correct. And so we are not bold to make this type of statement that, um, and that Paul made. This is not a statement you just get up and make anyhow. You know that. Husband, can you tell your wife, just following, keep following me. I'm doing the right thing. Can children say that even to their parents? Some children, you have, your parents are not believers. Are you able to tell your parents, you see this thing I'm doing is the correct one. That's the place that the Lord wants to bring us to. And that's because Paul is so certain of whom he's following. So he asked the converts and the brethren to simply follow him. The issue of our shining in every area of society, that's our matter today. Shining in every area of society. That means in my home, my family, my place of work, business, everywhere. And it would include our relationships. Like I said before, me as a father, as a mother, as a child, as a friend, as a colleague, as a mere acquaintance, in every way, as a doctor, as a patient, in each of these capacities, how do you relate and appear? There are several case studies. You know, I like to take case studies in the Bible and look at. Unfortunately, I do not have the time, so I'm going to just do one. But I'm going to mention the others to us. You have heard me talk about Joseph. I can't stop talking about Joseph. Each time you go to do a revelation, a study of that man, Joseph, you will be amazed at how somebody stood out, shining at every aspect. I, I wish we had the time. Even where he was taken and put in prison for doing right, he went there and he was shining. If I'm the one, I'll be saying, God, so of all the things I've done for you, this is how you can reward me. Joseph didn't do that. Another one is Daniel. I will encourage you to do studies on them. That's not where I'm going this morning. Do a study of Daniel as well. And I keep referring to that statement that Daniel made. He said, the Bible records of him, that where he was put in charge, so that the king would not suffer loss. Do you know that in my family I'm there, that the kingdom of God will not suffer loss? In my home, in my office, in the church, wherever I am, the objective is that the kingdom will not suffer loss. But we are there and the kingdom is suffering loss all the time. How do we want God to feel? Daniel was actually serving a pagan king. But he was there. Himself and those other boys, they were outstanding. They shone in their brilliance. So much so that they were put into fire. And they were there. And they came forth shining. They have not put me inside fire. It was just cause. And I was going to go and fight. Until the Lord stopped me. I have not been put in fire. Praise the Lord. What about Esther? She shone. She shone in the palace. 
she's shown. What about his, as our sister Deborah? A wife, a mother, a judge in Israel, she's shown. Please study those things. I do those studies so that they will help me. Where I'm going today actually is the, um, the book of um, Samuel. 1 Samuel 4. Please let's go there. 1 Samuel 4. That's where I want to do a little study as time would permit. 1 Samuel verse, chapter 4 and verse 4. Please permit me to read it. So the people sent men to Shiloh. I'm reading the NIV. And they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. When the ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said. We are in trouble. Nothing like this has happened before. What to us? Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the desert. Be strong, Philistines. Be men. Or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated. And every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Praise the Lord. Very sad, very tragic, very disheartening. But you may be wondering, why are we looking at this one now? I'm trusting God to give us a few insights here. Now, the background to this story is that priests were all up to that and were really shining. Ah, they were, they were outstanding. They were doing mighty things. There was Moses, there was Joshua, all of them were doing mighty things. And in First Samuel chapter 2, we note that these two sons of Eli, we're not going to read that, I'm just giving you a background so we can get to where we're going. In First Samuel chapter 2, we read about the sons of um, Eli, the Hophni and Phinehas. And what is it that we note about them in First Samuel chapter 2? It says that they refused to heed instructions. Those two men, they refused to heed instructions. They displayed utter disregard and disrespect for God and for the sacred things of worship. They took meat as they liked and not according to lay down procedure. You know, when they come to take this, they'll tell them, please wait now. Excuse me, they'll take and take what they want. So they actually had displayed utter disregard and disrespect for God and for the sacred things. They slept with the women who came to the temple right at the door of the temple there. They were sleeping with the women. That means that they did all sorts of abominable things. And when their father tried to rebuke them, they refused to listen. If you go back to that chapter 2 and you're reading the end of it, God passed his verdict on them and he made his pronouncements. Honestly, those pronouncements are terrifying. Go back and read it. Very frightening. The, 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 what would have provoked God, these are God that we know, to that level of anger that he began to say those things. 
it was not a small thing at all. So much so that even when it ended, God said, anybody that even remains there, he will come and beg bread. There will be no meal. There will be all kinds of terrible things. God passed a very formidable judgment over those people. And it is for us to be careful. Our God is compassionate and loving, but he also remains a consuming fire. And the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is the truth. I like to balance it. So that we will have a deep reverence and fear of God in our hearts. So, we don't have space to read those things. Please read them. That's 1 Samuel 2, 30-36. But they actually send shivers down your spine when you're reading them. And if anyone is wise, you realize that you must be careful when dealing with God. But why are we looking at this passage, this one that we read in um, chapter 4? There are a few things I want us to note here. Number one, they brought the ark into the, you know, um, the, the, they had gone for a battle and they were defeated. And Adonai said, ah, ah, what is happening? Why is God allowing us to be defeated? Let us go and bring the ark of the Lord. Quickly, they ran and they brought the ark of the Lord into the camp of the battle. And if I want to read this for you again, to you again, um, verse 4. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Look at the description. It's beautiful. That is where the ark was. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. The priests were with the ark. Good. In verse 5, it says, when the ark came, all of them were so happy. They began to shout. And they shouted so much that the Philistines said and said, Hey, what has happened? And they said, The ark has come into the midst of God's people. And they became afraid. They were so frightened because they were shouting, just they were making noise today. In most congregations, we're making a lot of noise, a lot of noise, as if it is about noise. They made noise, though. In fact, the Bible says that the earth shook. That's what my own says, though. I don't know about your own. It says, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Imagine the type of shout. We haven't shouted that kind yet. The ground actually shook. And how would you be afraid? The people of Philistines became afraid. And they learned that the God had come into the camp. And they said, we're in trouble. This type has not happened before. But even as they, as they said it, remember they were already lined at the battlefield for the fight. They said, let's fight, oh. It reminds me of one story that I heard a, a long time ago. I hope I'm telling it correctly. Where I think it was the lion and the tortoise that were going to fight or something. He was going to eat up the, the tortoise. And the tortoise said, just before we do this fight, just allow me to do something. And the lion was looking at him, what do you want to do? Just give me, I know you're going to eat me up. Just give me a few minutes. And the, and the lion said, what do you want to do? And the uh, tortoise began to, uh, began to scratch the ground. Scratch the ground everywhere around and all that. And when he finished, the lion said, uh-uh. Why did you do this? Why are you scratching the ground? He said, so that when people come out and say that you ate me up, they will know that at least I put up a struggle. You didn't just pick me up and eat me like that. I made effort. I fought like a man too. So he, he did all that. Praise the Lord. So that was what happened here. These people said, at least let us also make an effort. Let us be men. Let us fight for ourselves. So that these people will not just swallow us up like that. Let's make effort. And then correct themselves. And they went in to fight. And what was the result? Verse 10. The Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers, and the ark of God was captured, and, and for Homni and Phinehas died. 
Praise the Lord. So what is it that happened? Because even me, I began to say, ah, God. But when the ark came now, the story should have changed. That was, that was what was happening before. In the time of Moses and Joshua, ah, if the ark comes, agamana ark be on a battleground. You know what I understood? It's not about the ark. It is about the person carrying the ark. And so this ark that was so potent and has so much efficacy in the time of Moses and Joshua and they will carry it and stand in the water and water is becoming dry ground. In the hands of two priests, the ark was not only carried away. 30,000 people died. They themselves died. And the matter didn't end. If you read further that chapter, it was the same day that the old man priest himself fell and died. His daughter-in-law giving birth died. And what was the summation at the last, the very last paragraph and the last, last sentence in that chapter says, the woman called her child Ichabod, the glory has departed. And I hope we are seeing what is going on. It's not about wanting to shine. The person who shines must be inside of me resident. Otherwise I can't shine anything. You can't shine. We are not shining because there is no glory. The person who does the shining must be resident inside. If he's not resident, the ark... I haven't finished that story. When that ark was captured and it went to the land of the Philistines, what happened then? The same ark. <laughs> they put it. Where did they put it? In the house of Dagon. What happened the next morning? Dagon fell flat on his face. So it wasn't, the issue was not the ark. And the people came and said, Hey, Dagon has fallen. Hey, they thought it was a mistake. They put up Dagon. The next day, Dagon fell. His hand fell off. He said, everything. Bible is beautiful. Bible said, it was only his stump that was left for Dagon. When you read the Bible sometimes, you'll be laughing. It was only his stump that was left for who? For Dagon. The God that needs to be carried. The one that they need to fix hand and all that. It was only his stump that they left for him as a remnant. There was somebody called Dagon before. Praise the Lord. After that, they put it, they carried it to the people of Gath and put it there. A few days later, katakata everywhere, people were dying. Things were happening. Boils. They said, please, we don't want it anymore. We don't want it anymore. Move it to somewhere else. They took it to the next town. And the same thing began to happen. The same ark. The same ark. It began to happen there. They now said, let's take it to Ekron. Before they could come near their border, and the Ekronine said, no. We're not going to bring it here. We're not going to come and finish us. No, we refuse. And so the leaders of Philistines gathered and began to do all that they wanted to do in order to, to um, safeguard their own lives. Because they were dying because of the ark. So they, these people had the ark, but it could not save them. They were totally defeated and disgraced. And even the ark was taken from them. I hope we're understanding what we're saying. What about Goliath? You know Goliath came out to fight. Goliath came out to fight in... in, um, in Philistine too came out to fight um, the people of Israel at another time. And all of them were there. Afraid. There was nobody. He would come out in his great 
um, Amory, you know, those things they wear, the, I don't know their names, the iron cast and all that. And he was so tall and formidable and everybody was afraid. You know what, what I saw when I was looking at this? When David was going to go and meet Goliath, Saul brought him and said, let me give you this my own regalia, helmet, what those things. It occurred to me that somebody had a similar thing as what Goliath had do. Goliath had it. King Saul also had it. You know, I had never made that connection before. And the Lord helped me to see. He had it too. How do I know he had it? Because that's what he said, David, come, let me put this on you. And they put it on David. So what this man had, Saul had, and he couldn't go to meet him. He couldn't go to meet him. It was not about who was wearing the thing. It was about the individual. It wasn't what they were wearing, I beg your pardon. It was who was wearing it. And when they put it on David, he almost fell. He said, let me not bother. I have not proved this thing. What have you proved in your own life? What have you proved? David said, I'm going for a very critical battle. This is not the time to try something new. This is not the time to try something I've not proved before. Allow me. Allow me to use what I have proved. He picked five smooth pebbles and his sling. And that was what he used to defeat a man that was clad in iron from the top to his feet. That tiny space there was where the thing had to go to pierce him. And so God is showing us something. What are we carrying? Saul was there. Even his brothers were all there. And they were shivering. Because they were not carrying anything. When the carrier of grace, when the carrier of the Spirit of God came, the battle changed. And God is sending you and I to places where the battle needs to change because we have come in. Where the narrative needs to change because we have come in. And nothing is happening, unfortunately. We need to ask, what is inside of us? What actually is inside of us? You know that first scripture I read talked about people in darkness. Needing to see the light emanating from our own lives. Not too long ago, I was going to work and I was going to enter Isiana from the park. And while I was seated there with my colleague, who also happens to be my dean, she lives in Enugu, so we go together. One man was coming to enter the, the vehicle. And a young girl was sitting in front of that Siena. And so the man was telling the conductor, all of us inside could hear that discussion. He apparently had a bad leg. And he said to the man that he actually would like to sit in front. And the conductor said, I understand, but there's already somebody seated there. But no problem. Let us see if we can appeal to her. The moment they said that, those of us that were inside the vehicle heard the little girl say, hmm, obviously I appealed to me. I'm not even getting down from here. That's why I did, da, 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 da. She wasn't going to come down. So by the time they came, and approached her, that, that, um, that, that company, they don't behave like normal towns. There is a bit of civilization around them. So they approached the girl nicely and asked her, please. Then she just said no. That actually, that was why she didn't enter that other vehicle that left. That she has to sit here. She has to sit in front here. So the man was downstairs. He didn't know what to do. I just turned and said, sir, come and sit here if you would not mind here. So they looked at me. Like I said, yes, it's okay. I can move to the middle. If you know this here now, you know that it is mpempe wood that they put in that middle. So I moved there and sat near my friend. And said to him, if it's okay, if you want to sit here. So he came. And he looked at me. He looked at me. He said, thank you. And he sat down. 
and um, we, we left. When we left, bought petrol, I started to share the word of God in that vehicle. And when I finished sharing, did altar call, and I, I prayed, the moment I stopped, the man took over. He said, yes, that's it. That is what we are talking about. She preached with her life. It is not all these other ones, so that will just be near Kuchima, don't you? Name this one, that one, that one, that one. Then look at her. That and this man blessed and blessed and blessed me because I gave up my seat. What I said, every bit of it registered in his head. And this man's pain was multiplied. As we were going and they were now talking, he, he, he was now saying that that thing on his leg is. This Igbo thing they call a hero or something, and said that it was his brother or his sibling that did it for him or to him. I don't know which it should be. Now, see that type of darkness that believes it's his brother. I don't know them. I'm not saying his brother was not his brother, but that shows you the magnitude of problems that human beings are carrying and going around, and a small thing can make a difference. I have a car. My friend had a car. Danny Tugia didn't have any car. She didn't have any car. But she was the one that insisted she must sit in the front of a car. You don't even have a car. So, I mean, God is actually wanting us to really begin to make a difference. I don't know that man. I may never see him again. But every single thing I said, he listened and agreed. And said, yes, it is this one that is Christianity. It is not that kind. Praise the Lord. And so the Lord is expecting us to be able to shine for him wherever he brings us. It's not about externalities anymore. It is about who is resident in us. What's, let's note an outstanding similarity among these examples of people who shone in our time. I want to draw something to our attention before I get to where I want to begin to conclude. Whether it was, um, who, was that? who did I mention first? Joseph? Or Daniel? Or um, Esther or Deborah or Gideon, all of them, there was one thing in common. I noticed that they were preoccupied with seeking the glory of God. It was not anything personal. It was nothing personal. That's what I realized. They were all consumed with a desire to glorify God. And so, it was easy for them to shine. Even when we want to shine today, it is for me. So that they will say, I'm the one. And that's why we are not shining. But when you focus on defending, defending the name of the Lord, it becomes easy to shine. Because He is resident inside, fighting the battle, shining through us. So long as I have it right, you know, there is this thing they do now that they put on, um, on WhatsApp status every morning. My evidence, my evidence, my evidence. And what I've discovered is that that evidence is defined by what God has done for you. That evidence is defined by the miracle you received at the prayer altar. That is the evidence. But the correct evidence should be my ability to exalt and honor and magnify the name of the Lord wherever he has placed me. That should be my concern. Even when it means that I'm going to lose out. Even when it's going to cost me something. Even when I'm going to be wronged and cheated like I already shared. So long as that gives me the avenue for manifesting the glory of God. 
heaven has noted it. Even if I lose out in that instance. Praise the Lord. So, let's look um, at a, a few scriptures and then we are going to be praying. In the word of God, it says in Matthew 5, 14, we've already talked about it, that our light sh- should so shine. I know the word shine there. Sh- so shine. It's not just to shine. It is, it is, it is, um, it is an exceeding type of brightness and sheen that God is looking for. So that men may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This word so here is indicative of a shining that is not ordinary. In fact, another translation says, that's good news, says, let your, that your light must shine. Let your, another one says, let your light be shining before men, be shining, present, continuous. I know that when I'm shining, through whatever I do, my life, my thoughts and all that, it is to the glory of God like I have said. Why? I began to understand that on my own as a person, I do not have the capacity to radiate light. On my own as a person, I do not have the capacity to radiate light and to shine in every area of society. So how then do I shine? Let us go to Galatians 2 verse 20. Before we read that, let me just add this. When he says that, um, so that men will see and glorify your Father which is in heaven, I want you to make the connection. The reason they are, connect, they, they are, um, the, the reason they are glorifying God in heaven because of what I did is because I am not the one that did it. It is Jesus in me that did it. So they are actually giving glory to God because of what Jesus did. I, I am not important in this matter. I am just a container. I am just a vessel that has allowed myself to be used by God in order to do the works that he's doing. That's why that scripture says, so they will glorify God. It never says, so they will glorify me, the doer of the deed. Because many of those things we are actually not able to do on our own. And that was why I told you when they cheated me, I was hot. I, on my own, I was hot. It had to take God to deliver me. So let's read Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to give you another assignment. Please read that, Galatians 2.20, in different translations. And in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul admonishes us to do something. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Brethren, do you realize that Jesus is in you? Do you realize that Jesus is in you? You know, if you have a realization that Jesus is in you, you will behave different. Your life will be different. Your responses will be different. Your attitudes will be different. When you realize that Jesus is in you. It's not me. It is Christ who is wanting to shine his light through me. He indwells us if we will allow him. And when Paul was admonishing the Galatians, he said, My children, with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. Has Christ been formed in you? Has Christ genuinely been formed in you? If he has, you would know. You would know. And that's why he said, test yourself, examine yourself. 
do a soul search. Sit down, invite yourself to a meeting and ask yourself, is Christ really in me? And what is the evidence? How can I say that Christ is in me? How can I say it? What, do I, what evidence do I have to show that Christ is in me? Praise the Lord. We're going to be praying right now. There are other scriptures that we could use, but the last one I'm going to say is um, 2 Corinthians 4, 6-7. Because the God who said, Out of darkness light shall shine, is the one who shines in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. In summary, all this that we are saying, as we bear Christ around in our bodies, and become bent on re releasing his aroma and on seeking his glory in all things, we'll find that we are effortlessly shining in all spheres of life and society. It's not possible to shine if you're not born again. And even if you're born again, are you sure you, are, you have remained born again? It is possible that you're born again. And at some point, you fell away. You would need to rededicate your life to Christ. Why do I say that? Because I had an experience recently that taught me something. There's an assumption that many believers make. And I will share that. That's the final thing I'm going to share. There's someone that I relate with. That person had been born again, genuinely born again. But at some point in his life, he backslid and began to live like an unbeliever. He knew he was living like an unbeliever. But he was going to church. He was reading his Bible. And he was praying. But he was an unbeliever. Because he had learned how to do all those things. But at some point, I began to sense I should tell him something. So one day I said, please, there's something I want to say to you. Please don't be offended. This thing is heavy in my mouth. Forgive me. But I feel I should say it to you. I need for you to realize that if you have been um, an unbeliever, if you have been a believer and you fell away, don't just come into church and begin to carry on as if all is well. I said, meet, a, meet your pastor, meet your pastor, meet an elder, and tell them to lead you back to Christ. Tell them to, that you want to rededicate your life to Christ. Actually, when I said that person didn't like it, but I felt relieved that I had said it. And so I went my way. Sometime later, I was not even around. I had traveled. The person called me on the phone and said, that thing you said, I've done it. I've gone to meet somebody and he has led me to Christ again. But why did I even do that? When we were younger, I've shared with you before that I knew how to keep malice. That's why when I, became a, when I became born again, you can't catch me doing that because I knew how I did it very well in those days. So there was an aunt that I was not talking to. When I look at myself today, I say, God, is it possible that I actually didn't talk to this woman for weeks? I wasn't talking to her. I don't know what she did. I won't forget what she did, but I won't be talking to you. So the day I now decided to talk to her, I just went and started talking. She said, no, can't talk to me like that. Go and take paper and biro and write an apology letter. I wrote an apology letter and gave to her. So that's what I shared with them and I said, this thing taught me something. You don't just come and begin to, you need to apologize. Many Christians just say, hey, I've repented, I've, I've confessed. No. If you're here, let's begin to pray. We need to sing this song. It is no longer I that live but Christ that live in me. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that live in me, in me. He lives, He lives. Jesus is 
the life in me. It is no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. Would you like to bow your heads and begin to pray? Who is living inside of you? Perhaps you're here. Actually, Christ cannot live inside of you if you have not given your life to Christ. You may be here playing church. You need to be sure who is living inside of you. Somebody must be living inside of you. It's either Christ or Satan. If you have not given your life to Christ, today is a good opportunity. Would you like to indicate by raising up one of your hands? We all did it. It's exciting. It's beautiful to be born again. It remains the best decision I've ever taken in my life. If you want to give your life to Christ, please indicate and our reverend will pray for you. But I also want to call up those who know. You know you're born again, but somehow, somehow, you are now not so sure because of some things in your life. Would you like to stand and receive grace? Please, it is too dangerous to play church at this time. Would you like to stand up? I went for a meeting. I stood up so many times. As I'm sitting down, I'm going back to the altar. As I'm sitting down, I'm going back to the altar. These are some of the things that helped us to be able to stand. Many times after service, Mommy Ruby will tell me, if not that I'm sure I'm born again, I would have gone for altar call again. Would you like to stand up so you can receive the grace and the enablement to rededicate your life to Christ this morning? Maybe you're born again, but you want to rededicate your life. Would you like to also stand that the Lord would help you, grant you the strength to be able to be sure that you are actually carrying him inside of you and that you are not playing church. As you're standing here, and maybe somebody is still add up joining this service wherever you are. The scripture says, We believe with a heart unto righteousness, we we'll confess with a mouth unto salvation. If you will believe with your heart that you have sinned against God. And you can do no righteous act before you. That all their righteousness are like filthy rights before God. And it is not by works that anyone is saved. It is by faith. It is a free gift of God. And that Jesus has gone ahead and paid for your life. Purchased with his blood your freedom your redemption then you can confess with your mouth and tell him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior and that you are repenting in dust and ashes sincerely in truth and in deed and turning from your past life and turning to face him and he will uphold you and as many as call upon the name of the Lord this way they shall be saved repeat this prayer after me Lord Jesus I thank you you love me you died on the cross for my sins I am a sinner my transgressions are before me as young as I am I already have known my ways that have not pleased you I am sorry I sincerely repent and turn from them and turn towards you. Father, even if before 
I have surrendered my life to Christ. But I have taken it back. And Christ that was living in me, I shut him out. And by my own lifestyle, I went back to my old ways. This morning too, I confess my sins. I confess my backsliding. I confess my compromise. And I return to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. And I also cleanse myself decidedly of all filthiness of flesh and of the spirit. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Give me the power to be a child of God. Write my name in the book of life and make me live for you, shining all the way until eternity. Thank you for hearing me. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, as many as receive you today, may give the power to be your children who were born not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. And Lord, as this one sincerely, not by any prompting, except by that of the Holy Spirit, have sincerely yielded back unto you, handed their lives unto you, Heavenly Father, your word of a sure promise is that, Lord, as soon as we confess and believe in our hearts, the righteousness of God is made new in our lives. Let all things go in these lives in the name of Jesus. Let all things become new in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as you write their names in the book of life, give them the power to live for you in holiness and righteousness all the days of their lives in the name of Jesus. Shining as a light wherever they are, giving glory to you and the peace that passes all understanding. We keep them on the narrow path. And we keep their heart and mind always to your delight and pleasure. And going forward, they will live to your glory and praise. As Jesus takes residence in them by his spirit, Lord, they will not go back anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Really said, for truth, it will serve you.